we were having conversation here this morning and some, two of our young, well-established Christians in the body of Christ reminded me of something someone said. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. Who said that? Never give up. Never give up. That's what it was. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Amen. Churchill. And you know, but that's what we do. Did you know that? Did you know that we are in the habit of giving up? And as we were talking about this this morning, I thought they were peeking at my notes. Somebody was looking. Watching. So if you have your Bibles with you, which I truly hope you do, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Do you know why I love that? This, portion, this, this passage of scripture? It talks about persistence. Now I don't know about you. I don't know how many of you have raised children. Children are persistent they are if they want something they persist 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 until you cave I can give and bear witness to that because I have a daughter who is very persistent persist to this day she is persistent 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 and it's amazing to me, the older we get, the less smart we are. Come on. You can say amen to that because our children remind us. You know what they say? You know what the younger generation says? I'll tell you what the younger generation says, and you can bear witness to this. That's old thinking. That's how it was in the old days. I'm like, old days? What are you talking about, old days? When I think of old days, I think of our breakfast conversation yesterday morning. But how did you go to breakfast? We were talking about a place in Ocala way back when called Six Gun Territory. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's way back. And to get to this little western town, that they would take you to, which only had horses and guys with guns on their side, and they would have these shootouts on the street. Stunt guys would roll off the roof. Anybody remember that besides me? I know Robert does because he's been there. Oh, yes, somebody else has been there. And you know how you got to this place? You didn't drive there. You didn't walk there. You got on a steam locomotive. And it took you like a mile back into the woods. And along the way, you saw a few cow carcasses with some buzzards on them to the side or maybe an Indian camp or something of that nature. That's what you saw as you traveled to it. And it would stop at this old locomotive station. Now, I don't I have no idea where I'm going with this. No, it has nothing to do with the message. I don't. Matter of fact, Six Sun Territory is not even there anymore. But anyway, 
So we see as you go back in time, things are different. Matter of fact, if we were to travel further back into time, you would begin to see Bible characters, people of the Old Testament and possibly New Testament. All of these, all this goes back in time. But this morning, if you're in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, I want to talk to you about persistence. You see, because a lot of times, if we think back when, when we thought things were much better, we didn't have same-sex marriages, we didn't have all these other things that we have today, we'd say, well, you know what? It was better back then, right? Come on. I would say the same thing, but you know, it's no different back then than it is today. The only thing that's changed is time. And as the scripture says, wickedness has abound. There was wickedness back in our day. What was hidden has been now shouted from the rooftop. You see, it hasn't changed. It's still, it was still there. It's just now we see it. Because it's been shouted from the rooftop. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. They men ought always to pray and not faint. Did you hear that? And he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought to always pray and faint not, saying, There was a city in a city, a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. How many want to be avenged from their adversary this morning? Because I'm telling you, we serve a God who can do that. Jesus is just waiting for you to call upon him. He'll avenge you. And there was a widow in that city who came unto him and they said to Benjamin, my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming, she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him? Though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you talk to us about our prayer life. 
Lord, I pray that you talk to us about our persistence. May your word speak to each one of our hearts. In Jesus' name. We understand these two stories about prayer. And it's best when we consider the context of Jesus' previous teachings on how we should live before he comes again. You see, this parable actually begins with a preceded, a preceded verse about Christ's return, but it ends with a verse about Christ's return. It's a parable for our time. You see, sometimes when people pick up the scriptures and they begin to read them, they, they, don't, they don't think that it's for now. They think that it's for generations ago. Some people say, well, it could have a little to do with now. It's perception. Can I share something with you about perception? I was given something this morning, and I, I tell you, God times everything. He really does. He really does time everything. I was given this bag this morning because I gave this bag to someone, but it had stuff in it when I gave it to them. But in the bag is, guess what? A black bag. And so I said, oh, she said, here, Pastor Dave, I want to give you your black bag back. <clears throat> and I said, oh, I don't want my black, I don't want the black bag. I want my black book. <laughs> the looks that I got were shocking. <laughs> Just like your looks are right now. But see, I said, the black book I want is this one. You see, my Bible's black. And that's the only book I want. You see, because that book is going to help me. That book is going to show me how I need to live. That book is going to show me how to conduct. That book is going to show me how to lead others to the cross. And so when we think of parables in the Word of God and when we think about scriptures in the Word of God, they are for now. They're not for then. They were for then, but they're still for now. See, the Word of God is relevant. And it's something that we need to be on top of daily. Now, if you read verse 1 there, when he said, pray and not faint. What is he saying there? He's saying, praying instead of fainting. There are many versions or many invitations, I should say, in the Bible to pray, like in Jeremiah 33.3 and John 16.24. They're a call to prayer. They're a call to know about the things of God and what God can do. You see, in John, he says, Here too have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. You see, the problem is we go to the Lord asking the Lord for things. But when we go to the Lord, we should be, we should be asking what his will is and what his desire is for us to have. 
prayer is for, I should say, prayer is fitting for crisis. Anybody ever been in a crisis? In a testy situation? The writer of Hebrew tells us in 4, 14 through 16, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed unto the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched was the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in a time of need. You see, all of us have times in our life where we have a need. Some needs are not so as great as others, but we have needs. And I have found in my black book that Jesus is always there to help me in my time of need. No matter what I may be going through or what situation I may be having issues with, I always find it that Jesus, and when I open the word, he, he has an answer for me. I was talking to Virginia yesterday and I said, she said, what, are you gonna, what, do, you, what do you think you're going to preach about tomorrow? I said, I think it's going to be prayer. She said, oh, that's funny. I was reading and then she starts telling me about what she was reading in her devotions about prayer. What does prayer do for you? What does prayer do for you? What does it do? It gets results. Prayer gets results. 1 John 15, 11 through 15 tells us, and this is the record, that God hath given us eternal life and in his life, and in his, life his Son. But when you drop down to about verse 15, it says, if we ask anything according to his will, back up, according to his will. See, you see, a lot of times we pray amiss because we're not praying God's will, we're praying our will. Come on, right? People don't like to confess that, especially in church especially around other Christians. Well, I'm praying for a lemon meringue pie for dessert. <laughs> Is that God's will? I don't know. Food has nothing to do with God's will. But what's relevant in your life is God's will. Your walk, your talk, your actions, all should reflect Christ. Sometimes we feel like fainting. You ever prayed, and, and, and I know moms probably could answer this probably far better than I could. Have you ever prayed so hard for something, mostly your children, right? Come on, moms. Right? You pray for your children. You pray that they follow the will of God. You pray that God will protect them. And you pray and you pray and you pray till your strength is gone. 
Sometimes you pray and you get tired of the struggle. I don't know why they won't listen to me. But if you prayed and said, God, get a hold of their heart. God, change their heart. Instead of, why won't they listen to me? Because you're not God. You're not their Savior. Jesus is. And when we pray, and I know I'm not supposed to use my child as a reference, but I will today. Sorry, Chels. But when her mother and I pray for her, we don't pray that she will listen to us. We don't pray that she will do what we say. We pray that God will start speaking to her. That God will get a hold of her heart. Because what I say and what her mother says makes no difference. But what God says does. So when we pray for our children now, now you can start praying and say, God, get a hold of their heart. Change them. Bring somebody into their life that, will, that, that they will connect with and, and understand what, what you have for them. That's when we faint not. You see, we don't have to struggle with our prayers. Because when we're praying to the Heavenly Father, He hears us when we talk to Him. He knows what we're saying. You see, I think there are end time conditions that are perilous. In 2 Timothy 3, 3, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Some will be tempted to give in. Some will say, I can't hold up to this. You know, I, I always pray something that I don't think I've ever revealed, not even to my wife. But I always pray that people don't put me up here and look at me up here because I'm their pastor or because I'm a, some kind of a spiritual leader. You see, because when you start looking at people who are up on a high pedestal, guess what happens? They fall. You see, church, I want to share with you this morning something that was very, very simple. And something that may shock some of you. And if you don't want to be shocked this morning, I understand if you need to plug your ears, it's okay. But I'm only human. And I make mistakes. And if you don't believe that, talk to my wife after church. I make them. I make them. It happens. But every time you are tempted to give in, guess what? God is up to the occasion to help you get through that trial or that temptation period. God is up to the occasion to help you to walk steadfast in the word of God to, with, the, with the blinders on. To stay looking forward. It is hard. I will say it has to be hard. Look at the world that we live in today. I'll be honest with you. As, as, as a pastor, I see things and it just makes me want to vomit. Maybe that's the wrong word. It makes me sick. And I'm like, 
Lord, how much longer? How can all this continue to be? This is, so you, got, you got to throw up the white flag sooner or later. But I found out something when I was thinking these thoughts. Jesus is not going to be waving a white flag. He's going to be riding on a white horse. He's going to come and he's going to collect those who are victorious in Jesus Christ. Those who have called upon the name of the Lord. Those who have called out to him and said, Lord, come into my heart and my life. Those who have claimed him as the ruler of their life. You see, I find that when I become very weary and things become very heavy, I found the best way to solve those problems are to get on my knees and begin to pray. That sounds painful. What? Yes, at 59, it's painful. Sometimes I get down on my knees and it's hard to get up. But then I think, well, Jesus must want me down here a little longer. And the longer I'm down there, the harder it is to get up. You see, church, we need to understand that Jesus paid a sacrificial price for us. To get on our knees and to begin to talk to the Father is what we should be doing on a regular basis. Praying that is faithful. We see here in the second part of this passage a troubled widow who comes to an, an unjust judge. One who regardeth not God nor, nor man. There are a lot of judges in our country that are that way. But God is, an, God, God is not unjust. You see, I see God is my judge. And he's not unjust. Sometimes we act as if he's unjust because we didn't get what we wanted. He didn't do what you asked him to do. He didn't heal your loved one. He didn't save your house from foreclosure. He didn't save you from getting fired from your job. He didn't save you from your friends fleeing from you because of situations or things that you may have done. So you take it out on God. It's his fault. He should have been protecting me. He should have been watching over me. He should have took care of all this stuff for me. That's not how God works. But that's how we want him to work. If you begin to examine your heart, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You want God to do it your way. But it's his will be done. Not Dave's, not Virginia's, not Sharon's. His. Have you ever doubted God's justice? Have you ever doubted, say, why did he do this to me? Why did he allow this to happen? I think when we begin to doubt the word of God, we begin to doubt what God has done. 
He meets us right where we are. He understands our pain. He understands our hurt. And those are the times that he comes without us even realizing what we're saying. He comes and he tenderly wraps his arms around us. And he gives us that gentle squeeze. A gentle hug. You remember, perhaps as a child, when you hurt yourself or something, your, your parents, one of your parents would come up and they would give you a gentle hug. Or a little squeeze and say, it's going to be okay. It's all right. I remember doing those things as a father. Telling him, it'll be okay. You'll see. It's not as bad as it looks. Because see, Jesus has a way of uncovering things. Making things better than they were. The widow in this Bible, in this passage of Scripture, is one who is weak and needy. One for whom God has to intervene. She goes to an unjust judge. She goes to have her problem dealt with by someone who fears not God nor man. And he, she goes to him instead of to God. You know, we're in the habit of doing that as Christians. We're in the habit of seeking help from those who are ungodly. And we want them to help us out. We want them to help fix our problem. Who better to fix your problem than the one who created the whole world that we're on right now? The one who has created you and knew all about you before you were ever even brought to the earth. He knew you from the foundation. And you know what? Guess what? This may shock some of you. But he knows all about your mistakes. All the mistakes that you made. He knew about them long before. But you know what? He still loves you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. If you were the only one on earth, he loves you more than anything else on the earth. This widow had bulldog faith. I'd like to call it. She kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. You know what? You should have bulldog faith. You should be going to God over and over and over and over and over again and beseeching Him, reaching out to Him, having Him help you with your situation. You should have the faith and just keep going with God. But as soon as we hit a roadblock, as soon as we stumble our toe, or as soon as we take a small little fall, God doesn't care about me. And so then you get upset and you get angry. But if you keep the faith, you keep moving forward, even though you make mistakes, he's there and he says, it's okay. That little hug, that little pat on the back, that little whisper in your ear, I love you. I love you. I went to the cross for you. I love you. That's what he does. That's what he does. And he, being the loving father that he is, gives you that little pat. Okay, 
Get going. Get moving. Stay focused. The word of God is right there. Stay focused. And he still walks with you. No matter how bad the mistake was, he still walks with you. Now, I know there's a lot of theologians out there that would disagree with that. Well, what about those who hurt others? If they go to Jesus Christ for forgiveness, there's a lot of people out there who, I can't wait to see what it's going to be like this week on the website. All the disagreements. But when we ask Jesus Christ into our heart, church, and they ask Jesus into their heart, and they ask for forgiveness, their sins are thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. Doesn't mean they won't be punished by worldly standards. Doesn't mean that they won't have to face the, the punishments of their crime. Their sin is still forgiven. I know sometimes that's a hard thing to believe. It took me many years, many years, church, having come full circle, having been abused as a young kid. It took me many, many years, even after marriage, to come to understand that I needed to forgive them. And I, the hardest time was, is I didn't do anything wrong. Why should I have to forgive them? But Jesus tells me, because of my bitter feelings toward them, it was eroding my life. And I needed to forgive and move forward. I'll never forget the struggle I had with that. I could have sought unjust judges. I could have made things very ugly. But Jesus had control. And to this day, church, I can say I'm thankful to my Lord Jesus that he had control. Because it could have taken me down roads I would have never wanted to go down. It could have destroyed my life permanently. But he gave me a beautiful wife who prays for me every day, who encourages me. She gets me to think. She has that, she has that, what I would like to call, she has that bulldog faith. Because I can talk to her and I know what she's gonna do. She's not gonna call you guys up and say, Do you know what my husband's doing? Do you know what he's struggling with? Do you know what happened to him? Do you know that? No. She goes straight to the source. She goes to Jesus. And she talks to Jesus about it. And she waits for Jesus to give her an answer to talk to me about. You see, when you read verse 8, which is a very chilling verse, I thought, It says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, 
shall he find faith on the earth. You know, a lot of times we don't think a lot about that. If godless judges respond to consistent pressure, how much will a great and lovingly God respond to us? A question that is not answered here in the scripture. Will he find faith on the earth? Spurgeon said, if such faith is to be found, Jesus will be the one to find it. Amen? I thought, what a great, I don't know where I wrote that down from him. Some time ago I wrote it down. But my question to you this morning is simply this. It's simply one question that I want you to contemplate this week. Will Christ find you persistent in prayer? Will Christ find you persistent in prayer? You see, only prayer can enable us to overcome our adversary. Church, I think it's time, and I think this is the hour that we as the body of Christ need to band together and start praying, not only one for another, but praying for the country that we live in. Because I think as I've been watching the news and how things have happened and things that have transpired and things that are transpiring and things that are continually changing. I think if there's never been a time, church, that we have been called to prayer, this is it. Because I truly believe that we need to start doing some end time praying. Because I believe that we're just about as close to the end as we can get. I think we're as close to the end as we can get. And I'm not trying to be political here, so please don't take this how it comes out. Okay, Just take it for what your thought process is. But when you hear little children calling for help and you see men fully armed not taking care of them, there's a problem. I believe our Supreme Court has made some very good decisions when it comes to abortion. Finally, somebody is speaking for the unborn. Finally, somebody is taking care of the unborn. Does prayer work? It sure does. God will hear us. Again, I'm not being political this morning, but I just want to say we have a society that is changing rapidly. And I say, how can these things continue to happen? Because the word of God tells me that sin will abound. And it's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse before the Son of Man comes. Church, we need to be persistent and praying. So this morning, 
as we prepare to close, I want to close it a little differently. I would like for us to just all stand together. And I would like for us to hold hands with the persons next to us. You may have to step out of your little comfort zone there and stretch where, where, where we can be one group of people all the way across the building holding hands together to pray. Oops. Sorry, I don't mean to hurt anybody. Father, I think now is a time, Lord, that we as your people understand that if our land is ever going to be healed, we need to start continually, without ceasing, to be on our knees praying for the nation that we live in. Lord, I pray this morning above all things, may your will be done in this nation of ours. Lord, things are happening that we, we, we as simple humans can't understand. But Lord, none of this has escaped your eye. But Lord, how your heart must be grieved for those who profess to be your children are not calling out to you in a time such as this. Lord, help us to call upon your name. Lord, I ask that you would help us to pray for this nation. Lord, I know there's a lot going on. And I know our lives can become very busy. But Lord, let us never take our eyes off of the cross. Let us never take our heart off of yours. Let us continually seek your face. Lord, that you may heal our land. Lord, I know that seems like a large undertaking this morning, but Lord, I know that with you all things are possible. And Lord, I stand upon your promises. I stand upon this black book, and I profess, Lord Jesus Christ, as you're my Savior. Lord, help us to walk diligently according to your word, living according to your word, speaking according to your word to our nation. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for we ask it in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, Amen. Amen.